0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Esports Next podcast. I am thrilled to be joining as the host for season three, along with my co-hosts. We are gonna be interviewing speakers, sponsors, and attendees of the Esports Trade Association Conference in Chicago. So if you're looking to understand who will be at the conference and what they're all about, tune in, come join us. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Esports Next podcast. Um, It's exciting for me to say that for the very first time here, Um, having an opportunity to host other podcasts and then join my guest co-host, Megan Van Petten, here on the show. And our very first guest for this show, Director of Talent at Evolve Talent Agency, Vinny Fiacco. Welcome to the show as the inaugural guest of the Esports Next podcast, Vinny. Thank you for having me. I am honored to be the first one. There's only one first. So yeah. I feel like, you know, however this conversation goes, so, um, you can right never, uh, really there do. will never be another first. Right. So to give people an idea of the show, as this is um, a new show, our goal here at the Esports Next podcast is really to introduce speakers, sponsors, and attendees of Esports Next, which is is the Esports Trade Association's annual conference in Chicago, August 21st through 22nd this year. Um, And so our guest Vinny here has been an attendee in the past and is instrumental this year in procuring talent uh, to attend, to sponsor, and to speak. So Vinny, thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Evolved before we get started? Sure. Um, uh, Evolved is an
1: independent talent agency uh, started in 2016 by Ryan Morrison. Um, He had a law firm to give a little bit of background. He had a law firm, was helping gamers with contracts and realized there wasn't a lot of people uh, advocating for um, esports pros at the time. um, In terms of the terms that would go into the contract, he was just doing the legal work. So he, he saw an opportunity to help, started the agency. I was his gamer nerd friend that he knew in the past, both from trying to be a, a pro Dota player, as well as um, actually having gone to college with him. So he asked if I would help out. Um, I hopped on board late 2016 uh, and have been working there ever since. And now we work right. with some of the largest and, and brightest stars in the space, both on the esports and current content creator side.
0: Yeah, I remember something that helped me feel like our conference was gaining some credibility Um, when we had our very first physical conference in Chicago. You remember this, uh, Megan. We're at the Wrigley rooftops, and I, I felt like I had a really good idea of everybody who was attending, and I looked over to one side, and I saw you, I saw Ryan, a couple of your colleagues, and I was like, these are people I have not met before. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of, you know, knew the reputation a little bit, but I was like, wow, if you're here, I feel like we're really doing something. D- Megan, did you have the I same I remember that.
2: And I it, it, everywhere I see them, they there's like many. They, they go together, um, you know.
1: Traveling We <laughs> do, we sit together. Sure. They
2: don't fall off far from each other. It's, it's a, it's a unique team. I'll say that, um, really nice group, very diverse group. Um, I didn't know till today that you were also, you know, a professional or aspiring professional streamer. It's so neat because, um, oftentimes it is simply an attorney or a law firm that's representing talent. And for you to just get the world of, you know, professional players and streamers, their life, you know, I would want to hire you. And, you know, obviously under the, under the roof where there are, you know, all the other uh, statisticians and attorneys and everything else that goes involved in a superstar's career. So we're excited to have you here today. Thanks Vinny.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the entire group is made up of um, people who have specialties in the gaming world. So Ryan, who uh was playing dota with me back in the early days and also has been a gamer for a long time myself who was trying to go pro in dota um our cso chris was an ex of call of duty pro so it's people who kind of saw the industry from the from the front of house and then worked back of house as opposed to what we see a lot of times is the opposite of of someone coming from corporate or someone coming from um other agency life and trying to get into the scene and learning the games and that's right. a way to do it for sure it's a viable option but it's also not quite as um authentic i think in my opinion which you know, i get to the luxury of saying that i guess but yeah
0: um yeah love sure. being part of the scene well I, I think anytime you've done something yourself you know when you've done the job whatever the job is it's a lot easier for you to speak into other people who are attempting to do those things or, or, you know, the pain points, yep. um, you know, the struggle, you know, the grind. Um, one thing I'm curious of share a little bit about what being a pro player and a streamer was during your heyday versus what your clients are now dealing with, what are some of the similarities and the differences there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, pro players is definitely the biggest, um, back when, you know, everyone was trying to kind of go pro in in Dota, back when it's still in the beta and and had come over from Dota 1. Being a pro player meant hopefully signing a contract for a couple hundred bucks to play for a team like Cloud9 um, or Team Liquid. You know, everyone knew their names and were willing to sign any piece of paper that said you were associated with that org. Do anything to be a part Hmm. of it. Do anything to be a part of Cloud9. Um, And that unfortunately led to similarities in the esports scene as to the early music scene, right? Yeah, whatever you need to, to, to get me my record deal. Um, and, yeah, you know, orgs are meant to make money. They're meant to, you know, um, be popular without having to spend much. So, of course, they saw the opportunity to say, oh, you'll sign for half of what I was, you know, my, my initial offer, which is half of what I, what I went to. Okay, I'll have that next time for the next kid. Oh, people are signing contracts for zero dollars, but they just want to be associated cool i'll throw those contracts out there so those were pretty rampant without any real return right cloud nine had held all the cards and you know some kid who was signing zero dollar contract had to try to play pro and can get cut at any time with no no money on on the line and yeah deal with it you know you got a couple extra hundred twitter followers um so now right that's vastly changed that it's it's closer to athletics where you know we're not quite at guaranteed contracts, but these contracts are obviously very large dollar amounts and it's more than just, Hey, there's money on the line. There's a lot of guarantees. There's a lot of legal language put into the contracts to protect the players. Um, There's, you know, termination without clause payouts, which before was your cut on a dime deal with it. Now it's okay. Now it's two months severance. It's kind of what we push for regularly. Um, So a lot more uh, protections for the players now. And now, you know, the switch we're actually seeing is the players actually the ones with the larger following. The orgs don't hold all the cards when it comes to that anymore. You know, you're gonna sign a huge player like Tens in Valorant or like Artesi in Dota. They have the following. You're you're signing to an org and you're bringing that following to the org as opposed to vice versa. Like everyone knows who Cloud9 is, but more people know who Artizi is um, in Dota. Like you know, you know, that popularity is now with the players. So that's a huge advantage. Content creation, similar. Uh, it's closer to Hollywood than it is to sports, but these people are basically pseudo-celebrities now. When I was streaming, there was a couple people who were big. Uh, you know, the start of the streaming burst was right after I finished streaming, but those guys who got big, rec full in those back in the day, those were one or two guys I just decided. Now it's, you know, you get big, you're, uh, you, go, you can't go down the street without being recognized. And, you know, everyone knows who XQC is. Right you know in that 18 to 25 demographic those people who are watching twitch um the minecraft streamers can't go anywhere without being bombarded by the 15 to 24 year old demographic like those people are celebrities now they're they're not you know tom cruise but they can't go places without getting having to sign autographs take pictures so on and so forth so that just wasn't a thing when i had started on twitch and um it's great to see it's great to see again a lot of money coming in for people who have eyeballs on them and a lot of um changes being made the biggest change I think is the responsibility of the talent now having to realize that they're pseudo celebrities and having to watch what they say and not just do things for content um you know those days of ice Poseidon wouldn't fly today that would be stopped immediately where he's going around and basically causing trouble for content nope Mm -hmm. you have 20,000 kids following you and If even one of those kids does something that you do, that's it. That's the end of your career. You cannot be, a. that's, you have too much responsibility on your hands these days. So that's a change for the better for sure. Um, But yeah, that's, those are the biggest changes is the popularity is with the individuals as opposed to traditional sports where like, you know, the Yankees are still the biggest team in the world. You join the Yankees. That's a huge, you know, honor responsibility. A lot of times there's very few people bigger than the teams in sports now everyone is you know, bigger than the teams. The teams are relying on the, the players to um, lean on their socials and their Twitch channels and all that stuff to kind of make an impact for their own teams.
0: Good point. Uh, a question for you as far as what Evolve is specifically offering or, or, or doing for these creators. If I'm a, whether I'm just starting out as a streamer or may, maybe I'm a very accomplished uh, streamer who has, Tons of followers, or I'm winning championships as a pro player. How are you assisting these players and streamers um, through the way that you work with them as the director of talent of Evolved Talent Agency?
1: Sure. Um, so we're essentially responsible for taking care of all of the paperwork for them. Um, you know, those contracts that they're signing, whether it be an org or a sponsor or a platform deal. 40 50 60 pages sometimes um and to be honest the 99 of those players don't know what they're signing they see the number at the end they say it's one year this much money done and they, even then for for the principal terms that's there's so much more to it than that they don't you know oftentimes worry about prize money they don't worry about being terminated without cause they don't worry about what being benched looks like um so a lot of the agents on our side we go through the whole contract and we go through those terms uh we make sure that it's protections in there for the talent and then we go back to the talent and my analogy for the talent is always we're on the ship we help you direct the ship where you want to go but you're pointing you say you want to go that way we're going to we're going to steer the ship that way for you but you're in charge at the end of the day we can't sign for you we can't accept agreements for you we can't tell you that this is the deal that's on the table and you know they're not going to move our job is to go try to get them to move for you um, you know, I'll warn you. I'll tell you right now. If they're, if I don't think they're going to move, and we're, we might be potentially blowing the deal. I'll let you know. But if you say, go do it, I'm going to go do it. You know, you kind of direct us in that in that sense. Um, and then after that's done, we work with a legal team, uh, Morris and Rothman, who does all the legal on the back end for our contracts over a certain amount. Um, so they make sure the legal protections are there. They represent us. So we always tell the client at the end of the day, if you have your own friend that's a lawyer, a legal team. A parent who wants to look over the contract, we'll go over it line by line, let you know what you're signing. Um, feel free to have another person look at it. But at the end of the day, we're the professionals here. We've been doing this for a long time. This yeah. year alone, what is it? It's March 23rd and I've probably done 70 contracts this year already. So it's, wow. you know, a matter of our expertise and and hoping that we you trust us as much as we trust you to go out there, play the game, do your best. Um, especially if you're a pro, our job is to put you in front of a team to say, look how good he is. And your job is to go be good. So, you know, we'll get you that trial. We'll make sure the team knows that you're available. We'll set up, you know, an interview if that's the way it goes. And then your job is to kill it after that, you know, we, and then we work with people that we trust to go kill it. That's, that's our end of the bargain is, you know, you keep up your ends and you go play well and you go grind you have a bad game, we're not going to cut you, but like, you know, we need to know that it's equal here that you're doing your end and we're working hard on our end.
2: You know, I remember when you, your company joined the association, I remember telling John, they, they're the first um, talent agency that I've seen and usually really upstanding members of communities join the e-commerce <laughs> and the trade association. So, you know, I remember being at Wrigley Field and John telling me who you guys were. And I was like, we, we've got to keep our eye on them because they're going to be the agency. That was just my thought because of your ethics, your integrity, you know, that that's just, it's just, uh, Association Management 101. So Vinny, I'm curious if there was other agencies, which there are obviously, and or and or just firms, what makes you guys different?
1: Um, I would say the biggest thing is that we are licensed. We're a licensed California agency. A lot of the people coming into the space, not gonna name names, obviously, but. A lot of people coming into the space are taking advantage of the fact that there aren't really any regulations right now. Lawmakers in California don't know whether where esports is sports, whether content creation is akin to Hollywood and and acting and SAG. So there aren't, the rules that should apply generally don't necessarily have to apply. You can be a management company and still do agency work and no one's really overseeing that in the esports space You can't really get away with that in, you know, Hollywood. Um, And that's a different set of rules management gets to abide by. They don't have to be licensed. They can collect a lot more of your gross revenue, even if they don't work on it. They can do a lot more while essentially doing less for the clients. They can say they're doing management while really just being an agency, while also collecting on management fees, while also ignoring the day-to-day management side of things. So it's... we try to really stand by who we are and what we do by being an agency kind of staying in that agency lane as much as possible and allowing management teams to to also be in the space um it's the one size fits all like stop and shops that that exist that are saying they're management but they're also agency and they're saying you know they're signing a management contract, but they're not allowing you to sign to an agency. There are orgs that are saying we're your agency. You can't sign to an agency because we're the agency, um, or we'll do your management, but we get to collect from a little bit of everything you do. Those are the the ones that we're always weary of for the players because it's hard to be more than one thing. Um, you know, we do activation management, meaning if we get a content creator sponsor, we're going to manage that, but we're really doing that to make sure the content creator is happy, the brand is happy. At the end of the day, if they want to come back, everyone did everything correctly, but we aren't really trying to jump into the idea of um, full-fledged management. And if we ever do go that route, we're going to let people know, hey, we're a management company as well as an agency, and we're going to be really fun about that. It's it's really just being honest with, with what you're doing and how you're running, as opposed to like, oh no, we're management well, we're going to do the agency thing and you're and you're really signing an agency contract, but you didn't realize that because we told you it was management. That's the kind mm. of stuff that I think is worrisome and not that everyone out there that's doing that is a bad actor or trying to be, you know, take advantage of the system, but it is it does end up coming off that way. Um, so, you know, there's great people out there on management side, on agency side, on org side who are really trying to stay in their lane. There's great people out there who are doing a little bit of everything. Um, but it really does, at the end of the day, come down to whether or not you're being upfront about what you're doing. If you're upfront about it and, it, and the person who's signing signs, great. Then they know what they got into.
0: Yep. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I have a question that I think would um add some value to our audience here um around how to specifically work with content creators. You know, a number of people, myself included, have opinions of, hey, this is how you do it the right way. Um, But you have a unique vantage point of from the creator side. And it's not always just about strategy, like be organic, don't give them a script, things like that. But I think there's other nuanced things you might be able to speak to of what makes the content creators life easiest working with a sponsor? What gets them stoked to work with a sponsor? Can you share a little bit of that? nuanced insight that probably a lot of people haven't heard before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The biggest thing is um, creative control. Letting the, the streamer do what they do best. You're hiring them for a reason. Uh, you wouldn't, to akin it to something, you wouldn't hire Brad Pitt and then say, by the way, don't act like Brad Pitt. Here, just read these lines, we wrote them right. for you. And we, like, you, you would let Brad Pitt have a little bit of creative control there. He's Brad Pitt, you let him do what he wants if you're going to go ahead and go to a jerma who's a very eclectic streamer does his own you know style of content creation and then say by the way here's a script that 100 other people have read read it like they did you're really missing out on an opportunity to get one of the best people in the industry doing what they do best if you want guidelines that's great you want you want you know bullet points fine but at the end of the day let the creator have creative control They'll enjoy it way more. You'll get a better product because they're speaking to their audience, which is who you're trying to reach. So they know how to talk to their audience better than you know how to talk to their audience. And at the end of the day, it's going to sound way more similar than you think it is. I know a lot of the businesses are terrified of having the creator kind of go off on a tangent and it be this wild, oh no, what did they say? Everyone's getting canceled. That's We're not going to let that happen. The creator doesn't want to be canceled, so they're not going to let that happen. Very rarely is that an option. And if that is an option, we'll do a revision. You can come back and say, hey, by the way, one revision. Don't say that line where you went off about something crazy. Cool, we'll remove that. But otherwise, let them have creative control. Everyone is happier in that sense. Uh, So that really lets the creator creator shine and not feel like it's another ad read.
0: Right. Yeah, I always say that the script for the influencer is an oxymoron because... You're not, the reason why they have the audience they have is because they speak to them and they do the things that they do, not because they copy marketing scripts sort of a thing.
1: And they do it unscripted, right? The whole point is that they're living their life basically in front of a camera unscripted. So people are there to sometimes see the car crash, but most times people are there because the person in front of the camera is charismatic enough, witty enough, funny enough, has a style of all their own, that can lend itself to whatever product you're selling. And they wouldn't have signed on if they really did, if their product was so against their own beliefs, they probably wouldn't have signed on. So if they're like right. VPNs, I absolutely hate them. By the way, Nord, like it's, it's so rare, most people will stand on their laurels there and say, hey, I'm against VPNs, I'm against this company, I don't wanna do this. And they'll gladly not take that sponsor. So they're taking the sponsor, they have some affinity for that brand. Let them have a little bit of time to read it in their style.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, thinking about the, the eSports Next conference that we're looking forward to, to being at in August, uh, there's gonna be a lot of knowledge shared at the conference. We have a panel about uh, the, the generational experiences of eSports from, from parents to players. Obviously we're gonna have a number of people sharing, You know, how do we solve some of these pain points in the space? I'm curious from your perspective, What are some of those challenges that are still there in the space from your perspective that you're looking forward to helping develop solutions? Oh, wow.
1: So it's a very young space. There's a lot of challenges. Um, My background, I guess, in terms of being an agent, um, I think connecting with brands to get them to understand what they're getting into. Is really the biggest point that I think is missed both on the content creator side and on the brand side. A lot of time, brands, you know, they throw money at a creator and say, here's X amount of money. We can't wait to see the ROI. Like, and that doesn't happen one immediately. And two, it doesn't happen if you really control the narrative again that the creator is is speaking. You're not going to sell to an audience if you're giving them the script and, and really being micromanaging about how the content looks. If anything, it's going to turn off a lot of the audience and they'll they'll uh, sometimes out of spite go buy a product from the competitor. Like that's that's just the the world that is Twitch, unfortunately. Um so I think that's that's a really big one is connecting brands with the proper content creator to what to make everyone happy, but also to understand that the idea behind just selling products immediately isn't really necessarily the gonna the general outcome that you should be looking for you, you, yeah. you're not gonna get you're not gonna go on xqc stream talk about corsair and then suddenly sell to mice mice. that just isn't how it works but if you slow play it and you let xqc really like go off about corsair and how much he enjoyed this product from them and And a month later, talk about it again, but not have it be just a a 30-second hand read. Okay, one sec, here's my Corsair commercial. But just naturally kind of interweave it into the content. That's when you're going to realize the affinity for the brand is growing. And that's when you're going to see long-term sales. Um, And, you know, obviously, I just threw out Corsair and XQC. But um, there are brands that would be perfect for certain creators. And especially on the esports side, I know the biggest thing right now also is that orgs, a lot of the biggest esports stars are signed to orgs and orgs want to control a lot of the categories for the esports creators. I think that's a big misstep by a lot of the orgs as well. I think letting letting the esports pros go get their own deals uh, in certain categories and increase their popularity, which is what the org is essentially leaning on in the first place, helps everyone. So to say, we want all the, you know, we need to make sure we're making the money. So we're going to take all the categories and you can't go get your own energy drink, peripheral headphone, like all these sponsors just mm-hmm. kind of st- st- stunts the growth of the pro a little bit which in turn stunts the growth of the org a little bit which at the end of the day when they go get a deal for Corsair they're gonna make the content creator use that product anyway without the content creator's consent might not be a product there into suddenly so it's a it's a big right. um it's a big change from what is essentially happening now and I I, I want. You know, I'd love to see that change happen sooner rather than later because I think a lot of people benefit from letting the creators thrive a little bit more, the esports pros thrive a little bit more, and then sharing their affinity for these things with the orgs' uh, popularity with the orgs' um, uh, people watching. Um, so yeah, it, it's the audience there just needs to realize that they when they're watching an ad. If it's it's not forced, give it a chance, and then from there, everyone will enjoy it more. If it's forced from the org side, from the brand side, it just feels way less fun to watch and no one's going to bite.
0: Yeah, I think one thing that is, is, it's a little bit challenging for a brand to hear that too though, right, is uh, simply like, hey, if you sponsor this space, you're not going to get sales right away because everybody's like quarterly earnings, uh, shareholder, you know, immediate, 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 right? and I, I think one one thing I've heard communicated is esports doesn't have to be your entire marketing mix. Like, identify the the areas w- where you can generate those immediate sales, right? And those different tactics, but then also integrate in the longer term affinity play that will ultimately result in sales through a content creator. Is that would you echo that? Absolutely, I think
1: Logitech and TSM is a great example. They do drops where they get some kind of IP, whether it be My Hero Academia or whatever. They get they do drops, and that's where you're going to get immediate sales. TSM is pushing it, Logitech is pushing it. The people on TSM are pushing it. By the way, check out this drop. Cool, that's your immediate sales pitch. But it should also then be Logitech sponsoring a, a Kitboga, and then saying, by the way, if you're into you know the the headphones or whatever check them out. They're actually pretty good. Okay, moving on with my regular content. It's not this, this forced ad read or this 30-second pre-roll on the video because those end up coming off like, oh, they got a sponsor. Cool. right? Kit, Kit was paid to say that kind of thing. As opposed to, Kit really enjoys that product. Kit's talking about that product in a really natural manner. Um, I've worked with a lot of content creators that when they've given been given full control, they sell it way better than any script was going to come in and do. So, yeah, you know, obviously it's, it's finding the right person. It's making sure that content creator is comfortable in a little bit of a sales role and, and pushing it, whether it be, a, Hey, I want to do it. Th- I want to do a 30 second man read. Let's talk about this keyboard. Oh my God, this keyboard. You wouldn't believe I literally just got, it's my favorite keyboard. Cool. That's that person's pitch. And you should know that going in, but if their pitch is guys, this keyboard is killing it for me today. Anyway, back to gaming. That and the and that Logitech banner is below the stream. That is going to do just as much for that person's stream because that's how they talk to their audience, and that's how the audience knows, oh wow, yeah, he actually really enjoys that keyboard. It's not just because of you know the ad read, the money, the sponsor,
0: yeah.
2: You know, um, Vinny, well, first of all, I consider uh fantasy and esports sporty. Um, myself. And uh, it's just, it's just my opinion. Um, And as you know, there's the the traditional sport argument, but um, this was a first for us. Um, I've been planning uh, sports conferences for two decades and inviting you to be part of the planning committee was really brilliant. Um, And John Davidson and, and, and the others that decided to invite you to do this. If you looked at our industry, esports, and you you took the esports next platform, and you know, you're just one voice here, but but if you could if you could do something for our industry and really make an impact, what would you wanna see? And what you know, what what do you want you know for our industry? Um as far as advocacy goes and making the industry better um, for what your voice and your firm can do.
1: That's a big question. Um, well,
2: this is I, a big I, game we've got here.
1: Touche. touche. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I generally have told people in the past, like the only reason I have a job is because of predatory practices mm. from previous orgs and and platforms and sponsors if those didn't exist i wouldn't have a job but i'd be happy for that i'd be happy that it was there was some kind of either players were responsible enough to fend for themselves and negotiate or if there was just an understanding of this these are the rates that we're going to kind of go with market rates and we'll go higher if we need to for certain aspects lower if we need to but we're going to stick with this aspect uh i i would love to see and i think that happens when we get some kind of players' association. I think that is a huge step in the right direction. I know that it happens a little. Riot has pushed for players' associations uh, in their individual esports because esports is so vast. It doesn't. It, it's hard to say. Just make an esports players' association because what is that going to encompass? Fighting games, first-person shooters. MOBA is like, it's so vast, everything is so different. The needs are very different based on even individual, even Dota versus League, the same type of game. Dota almost entirely relies on huge prize pools where Riot runs League more like a a league and there's set salaries and such. Even just within those similar esports, the, the needs are very different. But I also think it doesn't help then to have 17 different players associations especially in things like fighting game community where they're, you know people are playing multiple games and even those games might have different needs. People are jumping from Overwatch to Valorant when you jump now to a different you know players association. I think a way to figure that out, make that work would be a really big step in the right direction and it needs to come from the players. My advocacy there is, is very limited. I would love for them to do it. I would stand by them when it came time to it jump in the player association but I can't start that. I'm no longer a player. I can't force um, one of my guys to go do it. It's a big commitment. So that is something I would I would push for if I understood the question correctly.
2: Um
1: that is something I would push yeah. for uh, and another one would just be obviously kind of mainstream attention outside of the stigma of it's just an 18-year-old playing video games in his mom's basement, which to be fair isn't wrong sometimes, but it doesn't mean that everyone doing this is just some kid, you know, who doesn't go to doesn't pay attention to his studies and isn't going to the gym. Physical well-being has come up a ton. Mental health is is really on the rise with orgs taking, you know, a big stance on that. Like these are things that are becoming commonplace and way faster than they ever did in traditional athletics because we're learning from traditional athletics. The next big step now is being on, and I don't want to say ESPN because that feels like just an invite to be like this isn't sport, but some channel that's gonna put it on mainstream. which is popular because it's easy, easily accessible and houses almost all of the esports. But being on TV to reach an audience that isn't Twitch, if you don't know what Twitch is, you're not watching esports. You might see them on YouTube a little bit, but if you you know you have one place to go, put it on television. I'd love to see the international. On a on a TV screen at a bar, there are certain bars that have that knee Show we play esports occasionally. Listen, if you can show hot dog eating contests and beanbag toss, and you know, and I play disc golf, but disc golf pretty regularly, I'm sure you can stop playing the Vikings game from three years ago on one of <laughs> your channels to to play a current esport, to be like, by the way, this is a whole new thing. So. I I would love to see mainstream a mainstream push for some esports to show that these are athletes in their own right. And they are dedicating hours and hours of their mental and physical fortitude towards this e-sport. And you might not understand it at first, but I guarantee the first time you watch football, you didn't get it. I guarantee you probably don't know the rules of soccer. And you might watch that when the world cup comes around. So, you know, take a step back, take a breath before you just point and say, this is BS watch it and learn it and it you know you might end up enjoying it and if you don't cool there's a hundred thousand other channels but don't you know don't go in an uproar that these kids that are dedicating so much time and effort aren't up to your standards meanwhile you're a big fan of NASCAR like they're driving in circles. stop it when you break it down to the simplest facts all sports are kind of dumb like let's enjoy them if, if they're fun to watch
0: sure yeah don't take it too seriously. And. I think if anybody doesn't have uh, a personal experience with video games or competitive gaming, their kids do, you know, and so there, there is no denying that this is the future of entertainment and we're working with people like yourself, Vinny, to help solve these pain points, build more sustainable growth for the industry. Um, I would say anybody listening to this, if you you know, if you're interested in what Vinny is saying, if you're looking to learn more about the space from the content creator, the pro player space, definitely attend the conference August 21st and 22nd in Chicago. Um, also want to make sure that you're following Vinny and following Evolved as well. So Vinny, can you help us with that? What are the ways that people can in, can follow you um, or Evolved in the ways that you'd like them to?
1: Uh, sure. Evolved is much easier. Uh, evolvedtalent.com. Uh, We have all of our socials on there, so you can obviously click our Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, I personally barely use social media, which is not great, you know, but I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, almost all under Vinny Fiacco or Vinny Evolved. I don't stream anymore. Maybe I'll get back to that one day. Who knows? Yeah, don't roll (laughs) it out. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Awesome.
0: We so so appreciate having you um, and Megan. We do.
2: We do. I, I not only is the association lucky to have you in esports next conference, um boy, if I was a professional streamer, I would want you as my manager. You know, uh you're you're yeah. just yeah, you're just a, a great guy all the way around. So um Thank we're you. we're all better because of uh your work and uh we excited we're excited to help some of your advocacy. Um, you know. Come come to fruition someday.
1: I'd love to see it happen while I'm still part of the game. So yeah, I mean that's that's my goal is to keep pushing and and realize that it's always a relationship back and forth. When I talk to an org, it's not, it's I never want to feel like it's me against them. I talk to Twitch, I don't want to feel like it's us against them. We do have to get on the same page, but end of the day, I'm in charge of making sure that you know Twitch is a billion dollar run by Amazon, a billion-dollar corporation, and you're gonna try to take some rights and money away from the guy who's making all your content, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight hard. Yeah, that's nonsense. So yeah, I know. I never want it to feel like a fight, but at the end of the day, if I have to throw down, I'll go to Amazon headquarters and flip some desks. Let's go.
2: Oh boy. Now my <laughs> grandfather would say there's, there's, there's something, sometimes it's called the good fight.
1: <laughs> I, I have no problem getting loud and, and making sure my point is heard. So I, I don't I never wanted to come to that. I always want to leave with a handshake. Hey, by the way, glad we did this. Let's let's walk away. But yeah, it's an interesting time right now in esports and in content creation. So you know,
0: things are dicey. I'm in charge yeah. of sure they're less dicey. It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to do it alongside you, Vinny. And looking forward to seeing you in person in Chicago in a few months here. Absolutely. Um, Great. Well, thank you for joining me and Megan here today on the eSports Next podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.